That was Backseat by Ali Bada. Uh, and we are very, very lucky right now to be joined on the line by Ali Bada herself. Hello. Thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, now, the the song that we just heard, Backseat, it's off your second album, Hello, I'm Doing My Best. It's been about nine months or so since you released that one. How do you reflect on that record now you've had a little bit of time between the release? Um, if I'm really honest, I don't ever listen to them again. Um, so, And I haven't been on tour, so I haven't had time to reflect on it recently. <laughs> I do reflect on it when I'm when I'm playing the music regularly, but um, I haven't done that. But, I mean, look, I every time I put something out, I hate it, um, but that's my nature. And so I try and be really zen about it and just put it out there and give it away, like literally give it to people who are going to listen to it because if I don't do that and I spend my time reflecting on it and compare I do the negative thing which is compare it and pick out all the faults and then I can't enjoy it so unless I'm on stage playing it or yeah in a situation where I'm thinking about it I I try not to reflect on it too much I don't know if that's a disappointing answer so how do you then go through that process of releasing it? Are you relying on perhaps your husband or those closer to you, your producers, to be like, no, this is actually good, even though in your head you're going, this is crap? Nobody. It's like it's like telling someone with an, with that thinks they're fat that they're not fat. You know, it's like it's my perception of myself. It's not um, nobody can tell you that enough. It's It's not... And that's that's why I that's why the record's called Hello I'm Doing My Best because it was this process of like um, rejecting and because I did that with my first record I like reflected on it too much and I thought about it too much and I it made me really miserable so like yeah my friends can tell me it's good I do you know what's really important for me is when I'm at a gig and someone comes up to me which happens this happens a lot and this is my litmus test this is my thing that I know is real when people come up to me after the show and say your song or your album makes me feel really good or it helped me through a really hard time or I love it and then I go, well, that's a real thing. My opinion of it is not a real thing. Right. So, so you, re- you rely on the outside sources to kind of validate it, which... Yeah. And it has to be the people... And I have to trust that the people who pay money to come to my show and buy my record, that they really do like it. You know, that's that's when I feel... That's when I feel proud. Like if my mum says she likes it or Oscar says he likes it or my friends say they like it, I'm like, yeah, well... You love me, so. <laughs> You're biased. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with that album, I mean, it, it, in terms of the music, you say it's harder to reflect on it, but I know the album it was about, you know, that process for you, how long I'm doing my best. It was about kind of overcoming some demons and getting yourself in, into a better place for, for, for my understanding of it. Was releasing yeah. it and, and then moving on from it, was that kind of the final chapter to that journey for you? No, I think I'm always, there's a, this never end, this book is never ending. It's the never ending story um, because um, I definitely think, I definitely don't know if I'll write about that stuff again. So maybe in a way, yes. 
But, you know, as you get older, you go through stuff. And, like, if I listened back to songs that I wrote about, it's like a breakup. If I listen to songs that I wrote about a certain breakup, I laugh at it. I go, oh, my God, I thought that he was the one and he was such a dick and blah, blah, blah. And now I listen back to stuff that I've been through and I go, I feel I, I feel empathy for the girl that I was then. So in a way, yes, but I feel like it just makes room for the next thing that I'm going to explore. But yeah. It's does a, that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you were trained initially uh, when you were younger, obviously, as a, as a classical vocalist, um, and you actually spent eight years singing in the Australian Girls Choir. Yep. How do those eight years influence the music that you're making today? Do they still play a bit of a, a pivotal role? Um, well, I guess maybe less in the music that I'm making because we didn't really sing any sort of rock and roll, but the training and the techniques that I learnt in the choir are, are very important to me today and more important than I knew they would be. Like, um, yeah, so, like, that kind of training. Like, I also was in the Australian Opera when I was a kid and I was classically trained. I did all my my exams, so, and I went to uni. There was a lot of vocal training and now I get to use it um, in my own way, but it's, like, strength and gig fitness, like, going on tour, like, I don't know how I would survive if I didn't have a level of technique that I do because you have to sing. And my songs are so vocally um, not, uh, not challenging but, like, they're full on. Like, I'm usually hoarse by the end of a gig um, because they're big. They're big, high, loud songs. So I think what I learned from the choir is how to use my voice properly do you regret writing those big loud high songs every time you finish a gig <laughs> sometimes sometimes i do and that's why i really like playing solo because it gives me a opportunity to sing a bit softer and i didn't always write songs like this i like i started off writing really folky soft songs but i think the more i played the more i realized people like it when it's loud and fast mm. and I'll, i just kept <laughs> writing louder and faster songs <laughs> <laughs> Got to please the people. Do you have like a little acoustic session to give your voice a break? Yeah, look. Um, yeah, sometimes I do. But like in the set, you mean or when? In, yeah. in live. When you're playing a live gig, are you just, you know, you'll be like, oh, God, I'm really, okay, let's bring out the acoustic guitar and break it down for two or three <laughs> songs to get your voice back. Yeah, I do. I do um, play, usually play one or two solo songs in a set. Um, but unfortunately, it's kind of like, I don't know what a good example is, but like once you're running and then you slow down, it's like if you do exercise and then you s sit and then mm. it's really hard to get back up again. Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard so to get I, your voice back up to where it needs to be for those high notes. Well, is it? it's just the momentum. Like once yeah. the momentum's going, um, yeah. But I don't know. I really like I really like that point in the set because I get to engage with the audience. And I'm a talker, as you can probably tell. <laughs> and um, so I get to like, it's not all sound around me. I can, I can mm. talk and tell a story and 
and play a song softly and, yeah, but, you know, it's all part of it. Yeah, lovely. Um, and before Restrictions did take place, you were you travelled to LA and New York and you did some songwriting and you played some shows as well. What was that yeah. experience like? So good. I mean, I love going to America. I have been going there every year for the past five years to write songs. I go to LA a lot and last year I spent a month in Nashville and um, it's really great. There's just so many writers. It's just there's just everyone's doing it and at like really, you know, varying levels of success and different genres and um, it's just a big market so you can write with, you know, nobody and you can write with somebody. And you might write a, the best song with the nobody and the somebody in writes a crap song, you know? Like it's just like it's just it's really fun and it's really exciting and invigorating. I always come back really inspired and with lots of songs. And then, yeah, I was doing a tour. I was halfway through a tour that got, got cancelled, obviously. So um, I was in LA, played LA, DC, Toronto, New York, and then that was it. And then we were going to play South by and a few other shows, but the world exploded. <laughs> yeah. Well, hope, thankfully not in a literal sense yet. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It, it, it has been a massive shift though. And you have been an artist in particular that's adapted very, very well to that shift. We, one of the things that you've done um, that caught our eye definitely is the open open mic Instagram live event that you've done for a couple of months. Um, you actually featured Tiani on, I think, the first edition of that, who we spoke to a couple of weeks back. Oh, yeah, um, cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that and, and how's it been for you so far? I love it. It's so fun because I actually, when I was going to be traveling all this year, I, I was going to do a bit of social mediaing from open mic nights that I went to around the world anyway. That was a plan and then obviously that didn't happen and I came home and um, I watched an open mic, a poet open mic night on Instagram and I was like, oh, my God, that's such a good idea. I can still do this thing. And so I started, I just put the word out on social media for people to send me their songs and if they want to play, then um, send me a song and people love it. People, every week I have heaps of people and I've even started going international. So I've had, I have a special guest each week and a couple of weeks ago I went to the UK and I had a girl called Olivia Swan and a poet that I met in London last year and they played. So I had a few Aussie open mic acts and then we had a special, couple of special guests from the UK. And this Wednesday we're going to India. I've got three artists, one's in Delhi, one's in Mumbai and two are from Calcutta and they're like amazing just indie musicians like it's I think it'll be really cool because um they're making indie music like we're making indie music over here um and there'll be a few Aussie acts as well but it's it's so good I I feel more connected now than I did before COVID-19 you know like it's one of those strange things isn't it like yeah. we're spending more time. I suppose you and Oscar are spending a bit more time together too because Oscar plays in Holy Holy, so you're probably both different touring schedules. You might not see each other for months. Yeah, we spend a lot of time apart and now we are spending a lot of time together, <laughs> which is great. Um, but. but no, no, um, <laughs> no, it is really good. Um, 
but yeah, and we're doing Oscar and I are doing lots of songwriting as a duo with another artist. So like Zoom has opened up at the moment Australia. We write with we're writing with a guy in Mackay and we're writing with a, a girl in Canberra and every day we're on Zoom writing songs with artists. So like which we weren't doing before. Like we were doing our own thing and maybe if someone was in town we'd hang out and write a song. But now it's like every single day of the week, where are we today? Oh, we're in Sydney. We're in Mackay. We're in WA, you know, writing a song. So, so can we expect any, um, can we have any hints of any potential collaborations that might come out of this? Oh, like we write, we've written with, um, I'm sure it's not a secret for me to say this, but the other day Alex Leahy was over, we were writing a song with her. That was real life because we're allowed to. But um, <laughs> we had... Um, Team Jesus and the Gene Teasers and um, William Bloom and Fergus James, like lots of people, uh, Darcy Spiller, lots of like up-and-coming cool kids. Obviously, Alex Leahy's not up-and-coming. She's legit. But, um, you know, it's really fun. It's really awesome. I love it. It's been it's been uh, really cool to watch as well. And it's not, they're not the only things you've done. You've also... Um, done you've been one of the only artists i've seen to tour during covid restrictions <laughs> around your house um which, yeah. which was a really inventive and good way to approach it and you did go ahead and post uh videos of songs from a dozen different rooms around the house or so you've played isolate festival and then of course uh one of the songs that you and your husband oscar made was the four <laughs> four days uh triple j song uh, yeah how has, has, has it kind of changed your usual songwriting process to be approaching these things in, in such a different way in the way that you go about creating your art? Um, not, not so much a different way. Like Oscar and I have been writing together since 2013, so we, we write the same way together. I guess the Zoom, the online thing is different. Um, but, I mean, not in a major way. It's just... We're just doing more of it, maybe, I think. Well, that is perhaps another benefit of all the COVID restrictions and everyone being isolated is it, it allows songwriters to write a lot more. Um, yeah. And I guess in this instance for four days, you wrote it in just 24 hours. So are you trying to smash out <laughs> and a whole... And produced it. Oscar yeah. produced it as well. It's so massive. everything in just 24 hours. Are you now tempted just to drop a whole album and write one song a day? <laughs> well, we're kind of doing that at the moment. We're kind of writing a song a day with other people. But I am working on some new music now. But I'm actually working on it with a producer in LA. So um, this is another thing is um, uh, I was going to work with a producer in LA and then that all died. But now we're just doing it over the internet. So he sends me the track and I sing over the top and we add bits and pieces to it. But hopefully by the end of this year or close to the end of this year, there'll be a little body of work that's been done on the internet. Yeah, so it sounds like it's a little bit more difficult than when you're having to send files back and forth and do things over the top like that. And I think we can perhaps blame your husband Oscar for this because we spoke to him at the beginning of March and he, yeah. he said to us that humans need the apocalypse. It'll be good for humans. That's a direct quote. Uh, yeah, that oh is, that is a God, quote. Oh, my God, so something you would say. 
<laughs> so, what is a pessimist, isn't it? <laughs> we're talking about how technology can, you know, just people complain about the most mundane things if the slightest thing goes wrong because everything's too perfect. Can we blame yeah. Oscar for this? <laughs> um, is that too far? No, look, um, I reckon he loves it too. I reckon he <laughs> loves what's going on now too because do you know what he loves the most? He loves the conspiracy theories. Oh, I did see this on Instagram. He is obsessed with the conspiracy theories. How deep and is he going? They're, they're, they're oh, pretty easy to so get deep. to dive into. Yeah, yeah. They're and tantalizing. He gets, he gets so angry about some of them. <laughs> um, but he also gets sucked into it. Like he's going to be, he's one of those people that gets sucked into like Facebook wars, like comment wars. I don't care enough to get involved in those things, but he does. And it really. Ruins his day, or maybe it makes his day. I don't know. It's but, um, it does have an effect on people. But uh, the one, yeah, the yeah. one about Bill Gates, he's like, why would Bill Gates want any more money? Why would he be doing like, yeah, he gets, it gets a real bee in his bonnet. Yeah, I saw him debunk a few as well. There was some people going about the five G towers, <laughs> and he just flat out <laughs> yeah. told them they were idiots. And I know. Uh, Someone needs to. Ah. Yeah, exactly. It's it got is, the platform. Yeah, we, we, all, we all get satisfaction out of reading them debunked. But no one, no one wants to put oh. in the effort to engage with these people because a lot of the time it just feels like you get nowhere. It's one of the best things about being married to Oscar because I'm not very good at arguing. But when <laughs> he um, gets stuck into someone in like in real time at, at, at over dinner or something like his sister or whoever it is it's very satisfying to watch him just crush it but he does that to me too i was yeah. gonna say that might be the the, the bad side of that coin. i refuse to argue with him now too i'm like real i i'm from real irish stock i'm like a yeller i just scream and throw things and he's very british and so he's very considered and thought out and so when I don't fight with him anymore, I just I just can't be bothered. So that's why isolation's going so great. It's really fun. No, no, no it's fine. <laughs> oh, it's working well. Um, now, bring it back to, to your music in particular. Uh, one thing we wanted to touch on, you've unapologetically, um, throughout your whole career, pushed for better representation of women in Australian music and, and for broader feminist ideals, like in your music and beyond as well. I mean, I was reading that you were actually once reprimanded by a university for calling them out um, for, yeah. for their course content material. Has that kind of made things difficult for you as an artist? That situation in particular or like being, saying these things? As a musician, I mean, uh, for a lot of people, I suppose it's easier to toe a line and not ruffle any feathers, but uh, yeah. you've, you've done the opposite, which is great. Uh, but in terms of your artistry and your career, have you, have you found that's been a setback? Or, well, not so much a setback, but more of a hurdle or, or if it's actually helped? I don't think I don't think it's been a setback at all. At university, it was a setback because I felt I was made to feel so uncomfortable that I couldn't go anymore, and I didn't finish my degree, which I really wanted to do. Um, uh, but in music, I think you know people want to hear it now. People want to hear truth. They want to hear people telling things that are real. And I and I actually think that I don't go about it in a way that's particularly aggressive. I think I go about it in a way that's very inclusive and is a conversation starter rather 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 than like placing the blame on someone. It's more like, you know, just highlighting women and and highlighting a, a an issue that I and it's only ever through my experience. I would never talk about anything 
that I don't have experience with. Um, it's, you know, it's very much coming from my perspective. So it's a, it's a truth. Um, yeah, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be aggressive. That's not my, in my nature. Maybe in an argument with Oscar, I'll be aggressive. <laughs> but, um, but like, if I'm talking about something, I, I want, I want to start a conversation. I don't want to shut people down and make, and make someone the bad guy or girl, whatever, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a great constructive approach, definitely. And uh, in terms of what you've seen in your time in the industry, are you happy with the progress that, that we've made, particularly in this country, when it comes to women's representation in Australian music? Yeah, like it's definitely better, but it could definitely be better again. I think we still probably need – we still definitely need more women uh, on festival lineups. Attitudes need to change. The media and language that's used is still – annoying like but that's 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 really hard stuff to change but I feel like the world is changing now like there's a lot of things like even I am you know you know through this whole Black Lives Matter stuff that's happening now like even conscious people are probably realizing more how they could be more conscious you know like so I don't think I think this time is we're going through huge growth as a society so you know but there will always be dinosaurs so i don't know what you do about that well yeah well i guess wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess that's one solution speaking of dinosaurs and history as well the history (laughs) girls is one of your initiatives to try and get recognition for females historical figures and ways that they've changed it and on international women's day this year you changed that or not changed but you spoke about First of all, musicians, and you started with Sia as well, saying she was a a major, you know, she's written songs for so many people many wouldn't even know about. Mm -hmm. I did have a question, but I've lost it talking about it. I'm sorry. Yes, she is. And I think the thing is, and the so I started the History Girls after the thing that happened at uni because it was in the history class. It was in my history class that I realised I went – talking about any women and so I said I'll do my own history class <laughs> and um, that's what the History Girls was and um, but and that's like musicians and singers and you know we, we hear about that but also like songwriters I didn't know about any female songwriters when I was a kid I knew maybe I knew about Carole King um, but like my dad listened to uh, jazz standards so there was like Irving Berlin and George and Ira Gershwin and Stephen Sondheim, you know, like all those old Tin Pan Alley legends of songwriting, there were no women. And so um, nowadays we have so many unbelievable female songwriters and it's really good that they're visible because I didn't write a song until I was 24 because I didn't know anyone who wrote songs I, I, I didn't see that many, you know, I just, you know, it, it did hold me back in a way, um, not knowing enough. But, you know, now we have like Alex Hope is an Aussie girl. She writes songs for Troye Sivan. Not only does she write them, she produces Troye Sivan, um, Tegan and Sarah. There's um, Sarah Ahrens who's writing every day on Instagram. She's with Justin Timberlake and like, the biggest names, Max Martin, she's writing, co-writing with him all the time. Who wrote Max Martin wrote all Taylor Swift stuff. He's written everything. Um, 
And I thought it was cool on International Women's Day to highlight some female songwriters. And so C is one of them. Um, Linda Perry was another one um, because Linda Perry was in Four Non Blondes and she also wrote so many songs. Um, she wrote Get This Party Started by Pink, massive songs. She wrote Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. And you just don't hear about it. So, uh, yeah. I'm all about that's what I mean. I like to just talk about it. And then you and can add Ali Bar to that list because you said you're an Oscar have been in songwriting sessions for every day over Zoom. So add yourself to that yeah. list. Yeah, I'm doing it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned India before on your upcoming open mic night. You've got three guests from India. You've previously expressed your desire to live there. Um, yeah. and you also spent a lot of your early years living in Papua New Guinea. Yep. So what, what can Australia learn from those sort of countries and what attracts you to places like that, like musically and culturally? Oh, well, I was a baby when we lived in Papua New Guinea. I don't remember it a lot. Um, what? How old are we talking? Like 18 months to four. Yeah. I remember turning, I remember, well, I don't know if it's a real memory, but being four, turning four when I was in Papua New Guinea. Um, so I don't have a huge memory. The thing that I... Um, I hate cold weather because I think I grew up like in the jungle of Papua New Guinea when I was a kid and never wore shoes. But And now I live in Melbourne and it's cold. Yeah, that's great for that. <laughs> <I just like laughs> um, but, um, and so India, my mum and I went to India um, when for a holiday when I was 13 and she was 50 and she just loved it. And then she started taking, she came back from India and loved it and her friends wanted to go. And so she started taking these small word of mouth group tours to India and so she went like two or three times a year for the past 20 years and I've been many times Oscar and I got married there I run my own uh, word of mouth Indian tours as well if you want to follow me on Instagram it's at trunk India and I'll be taking tours people people want to go to India on holiday that's what I do wow. um yep so um and I just love it it's just such a beautiful place. The people are amazing. The culture is just so vibrant and rich and amazing. And the history and the music, I listen to Indian music all day long, um, like traditional Indian music. Um, but more and more I'm listening to these Indian indie artists. And, um, I mean, I'm not sure what we can learn from them. I just think travel is so important um, to expand your mind. But then also... Like, we're not that different. I think that's also what I want to show by having these indie artists on my open mic night is, like, they're just kids making music the same way we are over here and we're all connected by that and it's a really beautiful thing to share. So, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Indian classical music. It could be, like, a, there's a dream pop duo that are playing um, and... So the girl Diddy, she's kind of like her voice is unbelievable and she plays really beautiful acoustic music. So I just think it's like a connector, you know? We're all it's a great way to go about it too, with the you know, connecting what markets or markets industries I suppose and, and, and artists that people would never ever come into contact with normally in India, uh 
to Australia as well. Um, thinking about that, I mean, do you see more similarities? And I mean, you can apply this to the time you spend in the US as well. How do you kind of compare those scenes? Is there more similarities than a lot of people would actually think? Um, look, I, you know, like Mumbai is um, the Hollywood of India. It's a big movie city. It's very modern. Uh, you know, I actually haven't been there for music before. The things that I'm doing with India and music at the moment is online for the time being, but I'm building some relationships and hopefully I can go over there and experience that. But I'm sure it's the same. They have music studios. They have um, music venues. I'm sure they have open mic nights. Um, I think if there's people playing music wherever you go, I don't think it will be that different. And, like, the thing is, in Mumbai, as similar as in L.A., is, like, there's film scoring and people making movies and advertising. So the people making music for film or soundtracks or, like, I have a friend who's a DOP and she just put out a record and, I mean, a, a movie and she sent me the thing saying, you're going to love the soundtrack. Like, you know, it's it's really the same. It's just a different part of the world, different industry. It's, it's, it's beautiful to hear and really good. I suppose another positive of the COVID situation is that it's allowed so much connection uh, between artists across Australia, like yourself, and then obviously across the world. And it is, we thank you for taking the initiative and actually going out there and doing it because it's opening up the, the world of music to a whole lot of people. So uh, we won't keep you any longer, Ali Vada. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Now, the song we are about to go out on is Big Ones. All the best uh, for you and Oscar as well. And we hope to see you on stages again very, very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I hope you win a fight one of these days too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I win fights. Don't you worry about that. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) Thanks, Ali. See ya.